0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Jack Ramsey. Following the Portland Troublers' 121, 112 loss to the Los Angeles Lakers Sunday night. And boy, did that suck. And somebody in the comments right away, the cardigan is jinxed. I'm super pissed because the cardigan got a lot of compliments tonight. Not going to lie, I look pretty, pretty fly if you're watching it on YouTube. It sits so well on my big shoulders. Ah, oh, man. Uh, where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? It blew a 25-point team to a crappy team. Like it's the NBA. Dudes are dudes. LeBron James is, you know, goaded. All that stuff. They're a bad team. But the Blazers might be too. It's got to run down just everything that happened in this game. And then we'll kind of get into it. Uh, first quarter, start of the game. Lakers come out, I believe it was an like 18-4 lead uh lakers started four of four from three which you know not supposed to happen um they end up going four of eight and that kind of spells out how things started for the lakers uh the big thing was braun and and thomas bryant going four of four from three Uh, blazers came out with a good game plan i thought genuinely i thought they came out with a good game plan uh they came out uh, forced non-shooters or guys who haven't shot. I've saw some people like, Thomas Bryant's an okay three-point shooter. He hit 14 threes on the season coming into the game. So yeah, when you look at who's out there, Thomas Bryant, Patrick Beverly, Troy, Brun, Troy, uh, Troy Brown, oh, Troy Brown Sr., Troy Brown Jr., LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, like, you're okay with Bev taking shots, Thomas Bryant taking shots. LeBron taking, especially threes. I thought it was fine, but they just came out flat offensively and just walked into a couple threes and kind of pit-patted around. And then, well, you know, they started hitting shots. Anthony Simons knocks down a three. Uh, Josh Hart knocked down a three later. Nasir Little came in, spurred them. Uh, But I I thought their defense was fine. Genuinely. The Lakers had five turnovers in the first quarter, and after, you know, Thomas Bryant's threes and LeBron's threes stop falling and they, they miss those shots and they get a few turnovers. The, Blakers, the Blazers get out and run in transition. I thought they closed the quarter fine, but they opened it horribly. They got down 14. So it was an 18-4. Um, they effed around and found out. But also part of that is the Lakers just hit shots. The Blazers didn't to start. Didn't like the attitude. I didn't like how they came out. But again, I like how they responded. And I don't I don't really want to give credit, but I want to be honest with how I thought the game went. And then the second quarter happened, and the Blazers absolutely shredded the Lakers. Shredded the Lakers. Uh, outscored 45-13 to 13 in the quarter. Blazers hit 14 of 23 shots, go 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Uh, they get 12 assists in the quarter to only 2 turnovers. The Lakers have 7 turnovers. The Blazers run out. <clears throat> they got second chance points. They outscored the Lakers 12-0 in fast break points. Beat them on the bench. They beat on points off turnovers. They didn't foul. They did everything right. They had as close to a perfect quarter as they've had this season. It was tremendous. Simons goes nuclear, hits five of six threes, 17 points in the quarter. Uh, Dame was a plus 32 because he played every second of the second quarter. I mean, it was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Get a 25-point lead. 25-point which is crazy is, you think about it, the Lakers at one point in time had a 9-point lead in the second quarter. The Blazers end up taking a 25-point lead. It's a 34-point swing. But then the second half starts and get 41 points in the second half. Get 45 points in the second quarter. Lakers come out and talking to a couple of players after the game, um, the common refrain was the Lakers were were so overtly physical that the refs couldn't call anything, call call everything. I'm not blame, blaming the refs. I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the physicality of the game. And this was something Dame talked about following the um, Philly game was... It wasn't that Philly was like this super aggressive team defensively. They were also super physical offensively. And that was something that they'd struggled with. And the physicality kept Portland from getting into their sets. I mean, there's a couple times when I saw Russ and, and Bev bear hugging and Pat and Dame. Or Pat and Dame, uh, uh Ant and Dame. But you've got to play through that. You've got to match that physicality. You've got to, you've got to match that physicality, and they did not. Dame said it best in the post game. you know, uh, we thought, you know, we, we acted like we came out in the third quarter, like they were just going to roll over. They were just going to die for us. And things came, it wasn't that things came so effortlessly in the second quarter, it's, it's because the Blazers busted their ass. <clears throat> the first half, the Blazers... 14, 15, 16 possessions of zone defense it was the best the zone had looked. I tweeted about it a couple different times. Like, damn, the defense is active as hell. Like they're they're forcing guys. The Blazers have done a very bad job this year defensively of dictating two teams defensively. I thought uh, they actually did an okay job of it against Cleveland a couple games ago. Um, and people were like, whoa, well, what do you mean the, the lobs to start the game? I'm not talking about the first couple possessions. They figured that stuff out. I was talking about forcing Ricky Rubio into corner threes, forcing Isaac Okoro into corner threes, getting the ball out of Darius Garland's hand, and then down the stretch, Donovan Mitchell did Donovan Mitchell things. But I thought the Blazers forced the ball where they wanted it to go, and the, the Cavs just capitalized. I thought the Blazers did a much better job of that even tonight, and they forced the ball to guys, except the problem was in the second half, the Lakers shoot 57%. LeBron James, 7-11. Troy Brown, 4 of 7. Beverly, 2 of 2. Schroeder, 5 of 9. Thomas Bryant, 7 of 9. Thomas Bryant matched his career high. 17 and 10 in the second half alone. In the second half alone. But we really need to talk about the fourth quarter because the game was kind of. You could feel it was almost a lost cause because they just weren't matching the physicality. Uh, the Lakers ended up winning 121-112 and <clears throat> a lot of questions were asked in the postgame. This is where I want to kind of get to and this is where I, I think it's it's more important than the singular result of the game but um, you know, Chauncey was asked about making changes in the lineup. I think we've reached that point. And the, the, the very simple one for me is, is starting nods over, over Josh. Hart had an okay game tonight. Um, he took the threes that he needed to take. Uh, and then, yeah, then Hart had an okay game tonight. Hart had a good game tonight. Hart was 13, 10, and 7. 4 of 8. 2 of 5 from 3. 3 of 4 on the free throw line. Like two steals. He was active. But I think they just need a. I think they need a a big change just to shake things up. I think it's the big thing. Is they just need to figure that out. And I don't know if that fixes anything, but... the big thing for them really is that something just needs to change. And that's the easiest thing. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's really not. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, but they need some physicality. They need some juice. They need some, and that's not Dame talked about tonight, how you can't just, it's not going to be an easy fix. Like you can't just change this and like, it's fine. There's stuff that needs to change across the board. Um, I know everybody's talking about trades and firing the coach and, and everything that goes along with that. I don't think that's an issue. Let's, I'm I'm kind of all over the place right now. Let me get back. They can't change their starting center right now because they don't have an option. They can go with Drew or they can start Nurk. I thought Nurk had been really good over the last couple weeks. Not really, really good. just been so much better particularly finishing being smarter doing stuff the last three games he's been a dumpster fire he's been borderline unplayable he's been in foul trouble he's been inconsistent he's been reaching he's been his physicality has been completely gone like i felt like chauncey was basically sending a message to him tonight I thought Nurk just did not bring it. And that's not the only reason that I, I'm, I'm going to go down the list. <clears throat> Nurk played nine minutes in the first half, almost 10 minutes, and had two points, two assists, one rebound, and three fouls. That's brutal. Couldn't stay on the floor with Jokic. Couldn't stay on the floor with Embiid. And like that's a tough task. I get it. But... He was—he's been non-existent. I thought that he didn't bring it tonight. when it came down to it, Chauncey threw him back out there in the second half. I think it was his second shift. Nurk played six minutes in the second half. Six minutes from your starting center. Like that's—that's—that's that's, that's tough to overcome when you're already playing small. Like that's—that's a, that's a tough ask, man. Especially against the Lakers when, again, they're relatively bigger in some spots, but then they go super small, and it's... <sighs> That's tough. That's super tough. Um, I thought Dame had a rough night. I thought Dame had a rough night. I thought he forced some stuff, <coughs> even in the first half. Uh, the first half, Dame was 2 of 7, 1 of 5 from 3. Had five assists. His floor game was really well. Uh, Zero turnovers. Took really good care of the ball. I think he was just missing shots, but I thought some of the stuff he forced because he just wanted to punch Patrick Beverly in the face. Which, I mean, I understand it. I get it. (coughs) But in the second half, you know, Dame's what, three of ten? Two of eight from three? Again, only one turnover. But I think he wanted... He saw what was happening. He was trying to will it. And here's the thing, without Nurk on the floor, I like Umix, I really do. But the difference between Nurk and Drew, when you're talking about screen setting and the familiarity and how those, those pick and rolls come and go, when Nurk's not on the floor setting those screens, that's that's insane. Like, it's, 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 it's not insane, it's not the same. And when that happens, you lose that, and that's, you know, the bread and butter kind of falls away. Um, I, I don't want it all to be bad. I thought Ant and Nas were really good tonight. I thought Ant found his jumper, and I thought he looked really good. I thought he was aggressive. I thought when Bev pissed him off, he came out there and decided to absolutely cook. What did he finish? 12 of 20, 7 of 13 from three? Yeah, 31. Good to see Ant back. Good. I mean, you could see it was when, the, when he knocked down a couple threes, he left one up there for a little bit and was you could tell he was like thank god and which i think we all were too um again hart had a good game i thought jeremy was kind of just a very normal jeremy game what's interesting was um i didn't feel the lift from from gp2 tonight but i don't know if that's it's kind of his job but also like he can't be the only one that brings that nightly but, man, they are just... They were missing the juice. They were missing the juice. Um, somebody asked if Nas is on a minutes restriction. <coughs> this is his third game back, right? I would imagine he's still on one, probably 18 to 20 minutes, I would imagine. what he finished with? 13-21? I, I definitely would have um, liked to see Chauncey go back to him. Like, if you want to talk about... Um, all of the coaching stuff in a nutshell. I think that one can be... I think you can pick that one apart a little bit. There's two things tonight that I think I I would be nitpicky about when it came to coaching. It was not going back to the zone when it was so successful in the first half. Like they, they, They beat the Lakers to death with it and with a team that can't shoot, what would they end up shooting? 10 of 30 from three? With a team that can't and typically won't shoot threes, I would have probably tried to steer back in that way, and I would have probably tried to get Nas on the floor a little bit more. Which I think Chauncey tried to do by, by going with that super small lineup and putting this, uh, putting Desir at center. Because um, he basically played like two seven-and-a-half-minute shifts. But I mean, we're, we're talking more micro than macro. Um, the macro is tonight is the Blazers give up 62 points in the paint. Uh, and according to Cleaning the Glass, this was true, <coughs> excuse me, before the game. Uh, let me try and double check it. It may or may not have updated. Let me check the league shooting uh, lines here. Uh, last I looked, the, I asked Chauncey about this and it's something, you know, that's it's difficult for them defensively. Uh, defensive shooting frequency at the rim. The Blazers are still the worst in the league. The Blazers are giving up more shots at the rim than any team in the league. The league averages thirty three and a half percent. The Blazers are at thirty eight point seven. Where do the Lakers live at the rim? It's not at the three point line. So. It's it's frustrating because what's what's interesting is the Blazers give up what would be the highest location effective field goal percentage, which is basically says if a team was league average, it'll give the exact def- definition. This team allowed the league average field goal percentage from each location. What would their opponent's effective field goal percentage be? This gives a sense of the efficiency of a team's defensive shot profile. Excuse me. So basically, this says the Blazers give up the worst defensive shot profile in the entire league. But based on shooting luck, they're middle of the pack at 54.6. For those that are wondering what the best in the league is, Memphis at 51.6. It's a big difference. Coincidentally enough, uh, Golden State, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee. Those are your top four in rim uh, percentage frequency. Uh, Golden State at 24.2. Uh, the Blazers at twenty or thirty eight point seven, that's a significant difference. Otherwise, what's that? More than uh, more than fifty percent difference? 60, 65%? percent. <sighs> I'm um, seeing a lot of questions about the vibes. Guys are frustrated. I don't think the vibes, so to speak, are bad. Like bad vibes was last year. There's frustration and there's vibes. I don't think the vibes are great. But I also don't think that they're cooked. Just talking to players over the last couple nights. Like, clearly they're not thrilled with with losing. But I don't think the, the vibes are inherently bad. Now, they can go there. They can a hundred percent go there. But they I don't think they've gone there yet. Um there were questions tonight about um whether or not Chauncey believes that the team is receiving his message, and he still thinks they are, and and to the players that I've talked to off the record, that they, they have not said that anything along those lines to kind of go against that. Um, and then in Dame's questioning, you know, uh, they he was asked about whether or not, you know, he's involved and whether or not, you know, guys need to be traded or a lot of the, the GM type stuff. And, and Dame basically said, that's not for me. And that kind of stood on the same line that he has stood on his entire career. Sure, he has suggestions, but he's not going after joe and saying do this or else it's just a funky place for them to be right now it's not good the good i mean the good news is they have san antonio tomorrow and san antonio might be the worst team in the league but (laughs) i say that and they could come out and lose tomorrow to san antonio they're not in a good spot they're they're less than I thought they were right now. Like they should have won this game. No ifs ands buts about it. They should have won this game. They choked this game away. They got out physical in the second half and they blew it. Um, God, I retweeted something the other night or the night, earlier. Oh, here it is uh, from John Schumann. Uh, The Mavs had tied the Blazers for the most losses a game led by double digits, but Portland retook the lead by becoming the first team this season to lose after leading by 25 or more. Portland has lost 11 times when leading by 10 or more. The thing about this team is they're not bad. They're getting up on teams. They're just finding new inventive ways to face plant. That's the thing. Guys, they're not going to just tank. Stop. I beg you to get that out of your head. Beg you. You were not sitting your entire starting lineup. My God. They lost 21 of 23 down the stretch last season, and that got them 7th. it's my goodness. There's no path to it. Get it out of your head. Take that really terrible ideal, ball it up, stuff it in a cannon and shoot it into the sun. Stop. It's not happening. The sooner you figure that out, the better off you'll be. It is what it is. It is what it is. They will find a way to win some games, to win enough games to where they will be a lottery team, but they're not going to be down at the bottom when it's all said and done. But we're also, what, two weeks away from the trade deadline? Again, I don't expect them to make a massive, massive trade. I'd expect them to find some ways through it, make a few little tweaks here or there, but... I don't expect like massive reinforcements at the trade deadline. I don't think that was ever really in the cards. Come this summer? Yeah, I'd expect something big. They I mean, they are kind of who we thought they were. I mean, they're they're within 3 or 4 games of it. And I hate the whole idea of like I hate saying that oh, they're only you know, four games back or five games back from fourth or fifth. And it's like, yeah, no shit. At the same time, you have to win some games. The flip side of it is, yeah, there's still only a handful of games out. That's the frustrating part of this piece because the West, hell, the NBA in general is so mid right now that <clears throat> on any given day, on any given night, on any given week, you can step either four places up or four places down. And that's just the thing about this season. It's both promising and frustrating. Because you look at where they are right now, and you say, you should be in such a better spot. They should be in a better spot. Does that mean they're winning a first-round playoff series or contending for Western Conference Finals? No. But are they better than a team that that blows a 25-point lead to a bad Lakers team? Yeah. What's at the the root of it all? That's the thing. The Blazers are are consistent. Everyone else has gotten better. I, I would strongly disagree with that. Saw the Lakers look like one of the worst teams in the league, then get better, then get worse. Seen the Clippers look awful and then also look like world beaters. Seen the Phoenix Suns absolutely plummet. Seen the Jazz look like the best team in the league and then look as as bad or worse to the Blazers. They're a team that lost a home game to the Blazers. Nothing makes sense in the upside down right now. It is what it is. And this team right now is it's they're not as good as they should be. Why do I think the Blazers have trouble maintaining consistency, whether it's quarter to quarter, game to game, road trip, month to month? <clears throat> I think if you take a step back and look at everybody except for like the four best teams in the NBA, you could say that. And that's not me making an excuse about this team. Number one, it's an 82 game season. It's stupid hard. To maintain that level of consistency. And the only teams that maintain it really are the super teams. Trying to figure out the consistency is... And being consistent is what great teams do. Everybody else... like, it's, The consistency waffles or wavers more the further you go down. Until you get into the consistently bad teams. I don't think the Blazers are consistently bad. I think they're consistently inconsistent. That's the thing. And I don't believe this team is like a 50-win team. I profile them as a 42-win team. I think that's it's very much still on the table. You know, like, as dumb as this season has been, I don't think they're the team that went 10-4, and four, and I don't think they're the team that lost five in a row. I think they're somewhere in the middle, which is like a slightly above average 500 team. And that's showing through. And you're looking at just coin toss games over and over and over and over again. I mean, looking through the comments, clearly people are frustrated. I get it. I mean, I kind of took my brain and turned it off to like the whole idea of the win-loss mattering in the grand scheme of things this season what i wanted to see is who's going to be on this team long term who develops who's where what makes sense that kind of thing and my frustration is i don't know if we have any answers to much i know that dame is still dame following a surgery I know that Jeremy Grant is a hell of a player. I know that Shaden Sharp projects as a guy who's going to be probably really good in two to three years. I know Simons has looked like a guy who is very much capable of being not only a McCollum replacement, but in the long run can end up being better while being less expensive. Beyond that, I don't know like when this year I hope that his health once he fully like kind of hits the gas looks like what we've seen over the last couple games. And he said that even then like when he first came back in the season before he had the uh the latest injury that he still wasn't really quite better yet from his from his abdominal surgery. He's he says he felt feels better now than he did, you know, a month ago from that. So you know, do they have a little something in the sear if he can stay healthy? Maybe something there. Nurk is Nurk at this point. He's what, twenty-eight? Like I don't I don't know how much more you're expecting or hoping or getting out of him. Beyond that. You got some young guys that maybe you should see some things in, some opportunities. But I don't think this is the season for shoving a bunch of rookies out there. They did that last year. I, I know the immediacy is to just panic. As the sky is falling. The world is ending. They go back and they win tomorrow against the Spurs. Is it right the wrongs? So no. They just beat a team they're supposed to beat. Like, that's just, you know. I don't know if you can take much from this game other than being pissed off. I'm I'm irritated by it. I don't want to talk about a crappy team. I don't want to talk about a frustrating team. I don't want to have, you know, people in my DMs endlessly talking about uh, they screwed over. They got uh, screwed over in that CJ trade or they got screwed over that Covington trade. And it's like you're sitting there looking at their roster and you're going they've got guys that they haven't had on this team in years. But they they still don't make sense. Like there's still problems. they are still trying to figure things out. I wish that, you know, things made a lot more sense. I wish they were better. Like, But, I mean, I can only talk about what they do on the floor. But the great thing about A2 games is, is that tomorrow you get the opportunity to go back out and do it again. I think more than coming out and beating the Spurs tomorrow, I think the most important thing is how they come out tomorrow. I mean, yeah, winning, obviously is huge they drop that game and i'll let you guys go uh i'll let you guys go the sky is falling but more importantly it's how much how much give a shit do they come out with i don't think chauncey has lost the locker room by any means i don't think that they're tuning him out i think that there's just stuff that they just need to figure out where they go from here, up, down, anywhere in between, I don't know, that's why we watch the game, but, um, it's getting super late, <laughs> was it uh, 11 o'clock, and I've got a, uh, appointment at, uh, O-Dark 30 to get a cortisone shot in my hip, so <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up here, um, Obviously, the game tomorrow against the Spurs. What following tomorrow's game, I'll probably do another after dark, and then uh, I'll bring uh, I'll bring I'll have uh, Brandon come on probably Tuesday, and we'll do a, a big mailbag and just kind of go from there and answer as many questions as we can. It's just you know it is what it is. I'm I'm interested to see how how they look tomorrow and then how f- people feel tomorrow depending on what happens. I mean, if they lose tomorrow, I might, I might join y'all and bring it out the Pitchforks. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll just sharpen them. I don't know if I'll get actually get it out, but um, I'll be, I'll be blunt. Tonight was a, was a shitty loss flat out and where this goes and how this shakes out over the next week. I don't know if it determines the season, but I have a reeling suspicion. It could play a huge factor. Leading, leading into the deadline, how they come out. Because I remember, <laughs> I, I hate this, because the Blazers, this what's interesting about this, I'll wrap on this, this isn't the first time this has happened, where the Blazers have been at near or under 500 at the All-Star break, and then they inexplicably roll off like a 12-2 and two stretch. And everyone's like, oh my God, they're actually the greatest! When in reality, they're in between. So, how they come out of this, whether they do or they don't, I think is going to be the storyline over the next two weeks, uh, and then after the, the All-Star break trade deadline, what things look like. And we'll go from there. Um, again, thank you all. I appreciate you. Like, rate, review, subscribe to all of the things. Try to not let this ruin your night. Or do. Or do. Now, I, I don't want to tell you how to do it. Um... But on on a positive note, I do want to say thank you to everybody who's been you know been supporting the show, uh, who's reached out, who's DM'd, uh, through the good times, the bad times, everything. I I do I do really appreciate it. Everybody who said hi at the games over the last couple of weeks, thank you, appreciate you. I don't want to say, uh, God, Kevin, the mailman I met tonight, who told me he, he loved the show, and um, I appreciate that. All that kind of stuff, man. Seriously, um, thank you. You guys make this worth doing, genuinely, and I, I never want. That to go unsaid. So so um, I'm not gonna say hold on to your joy. That's Richmond's. That's all his, but f- find a way to find something, man. Hey, hell, hold on to your hate. <laughs> Whatever it is that like gets you through, I- I'll 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 tell you this. When I was younger, okay, when I was just little little old fan Dan, okay. If the Blazers lost, I was a guy who watched Sports Center religiously. If they lost, I could not watch SportsCenter that night. I get it. I get it. I cover this team, but and I want them to do well. I genuinely do. But the I think the longer you cover a team, the harder it is to be truly a fan. It's hard sometimes because you. You see behind the curtain and you kind of understand how things... Some things work that other people don't on the non-watching side. Um, not that I know more. It's just I have a different frame of reference. And it's sometimes it's hard. And I'll, I'll be honest. It's, it's frustrating watching the team that I grew up loving and covering now go through this. So I'm with you. I don't want you ever to think that I'm not with you. So um try to swallow this one down wash it down with your, your favorite beverage and then uh, hopefully they get right tomorrow and then we'll be back for that and then we'll go from there uh Tuesday we'll have a uh a mailbag show and then uh depending on how things go with my hip uh, tomorrow with the quarter zone shot, if I don't feel much better, we'll start doing some more watch parties locally, uh, even when they're at home. Also, uh, I want to do a playbook breakdown again, like we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I'll open that up, and we'll we'll, we'll dump one of those out there. Uh, other than that, uh, take care. Enjoy. Uh, if you're on the road tomorrow, or if you're at work, wherever you are, uh, tune in, noon to 3. Uh, Danny and Dusty on 1080 the fan. Uh, tune in tomorrow. I'm sure Brandon will be... Very spicy on your drives in to work for those that still drive or for those early risers that just work from home still. Uh, tune in to Brandon, uh, Dirt and Sprague on six to, at 6 to 9 on 1080 The Fan tomorrow morning. I'm sure they're going to be a spicy. Uh, until then, everyone.